It may be a good way to get on the news, but it's not the way we want to impact people's lives. We don't want to be bombastic in our speech. We don't want to intentionally stir up animosity in others by what we say. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover more about this radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The point and the counterpoint that goes on much of the time in the news media reminds us of some child on the playground at school trying to stir up a fight between two adversaries for their own entertainment. No, we should not enter into edgy rhetoric for the sake of gaining attention. That said, more of the conversations of the Christian today need to stir up controversy, not less but not the controversy of being intentionally adversarial, just the controversy of speaking the truth as the Lord Jesus spoke it. From John chapter 10, we begin a study today, learning how Jesus spoke to others with that love which was too great to seek its own favor and yet too kind to let the cancers of sin go unaddressed. You know, when you come to the point where you want to share your faith with an individual who does not share your faith and you feel a pressure coming upon you and the pressure that you feel is that desire to somehow speak to them in such a way that what you say will be palatable to them, that what you say will be something that they will be willing to receive. And so you're really concerned that you avoid controversy, that you speak to them in such a way that they won't be offended. You know, most of us really do not like being controversial figures, and we don't like to stir up controversy. Most of us, I think, are individuals who do not thrive on confrontation, but just the opposite. We like to be liked. We like to be understood and appreciated. We want our words to bear in upon society and men with comfort and ease. I know I like it that way myself. But in this passage that we read, we find that Jesus Christ's words created division. In fact, the passage says, again, there was division. It appears that how often Christ ever spoke, there was with those words always some stirring up of controversy and division among those who were listening to him. And and this is not the way that most people imagine the effects of Christ's words. We imagine that when Christ speaks, there would be such an attending of his spirit coming upon those who hear that there would be this compelling of unity as individuals were drawn together and united together in the unity of truth. And that's at least what we'd like to see take place or think that would take place. We, We do not expect that when Christ speaks, that his words would create division, that it would cause a split among people. We think of his words as a unifying force, not a dividing force. But that is not the case. The fact is, is not everyone who heard Christ speak instantaneously embraced his words as good and wise counsel. As Joseph Parker, who is a contemporary of Charles Spurgeon, points out in this passage, whenever Jesus Christ is found addressing men He provoked inquiry, controversy, and sometimes direct and bitter hostility. Now, we're not like Jesus Christ in this way for the most part, and his ministers are not often like Jesus Christ in this way because we don't like to stir up bitter hostility and resentment. We do not like to create controversy and division. But 
If we wish to make our greatest impact in the world around us, if we wish to make the greatest impact by our lives and by our words and by our messages, we could hope and we could desire that we could become more controversial in our speech. The fact is that today the church is suffering, even as it might swell and grow in numbers, the church is suffering from a lack of controversy in its conversations. Christians as a whole, or those claiming to be Christians, are not provocative enough in their lives and in their conversation among men to create the kind of controversy that would cause a division of opinion in the people that are living around them. And this is not necessarily a good thing. This can be a negative thing. We need to be controversial in our speech. We need to be controversial just like the Lord Jesus was. Get that? Just like the Lord Jesus was. And the only way that will be that way is if we learn to listen to him and we speak what he speaks to others. Let me point out to you how it is that Jesus created controversy with a speech. This is a little different tact on the passage that we're looking at here. When we read this passage normally and when the Christian reads this passage, or if I were to say to most people and refer to them to John 10, most people would know that that's the Good Shepherd passage. That's a passage that's full of wonderful comfort and encouragement to the Christian. We read this passage as if it flowed off like poetry to our souls. We drink it in as a love letter from God, and yet we're surprised when we read this passage that when other men heard what Christ said, the end result was the large measure of them said, this guy's mad. This guy's filled with a demon. That's not what we think of when we come to this passage. So let me speak to you for a moment about looking at this passage on the basis of the controversy that it caused. And let me share with you how it is that he caused this controversy. First, let's look at the first five verses and let's read them again. Here's what it says. Jesus says, truly, truly, verily, verily, most assuredly, I say to you that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers." Now look, if you just look at those words and you size them up and you measure them, they're beautiful words. They're on a theme that was familiar with the people of Jesus' day. They knew the pastoral theme. They knew the theme of shepherds and sheep. And it was fitting and it was words that fit with the kinds of stories and the kinds of contemplations that they mused upon and were involved in. They're beautiful words. Joseph Parker, again, referring to that passage, says that these words are the very beginning of poetry. They're sweet and they're lovely and they're totally inoffensive. They're inoffensive because those who are listening to them have no idea what they mean. The words sounded very nice, but the meaning soared completely over their heads like gilded clouds floating by against the blue sky. And so they thought, how lovely, how wonderful, how admirable are these words. John says in verse 6, this parable spake Jesus unto them, 
but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. In other words, all they could do was sit and listen and admire the sheer beauty of the phrasing. Maybe they thought something like, what lovely and comforting imagery. But it all went over their heads. Now, Jesus did say something here that stirred up controversy. He did say something here that began to create a split and division of opinion. What was it? Well, let's read on. It's his interpretation of the parable that disturbed them. Let's look at verses 17 through 18 now. Then Jesus said to them again, Verily, verily, truthfully, truthfully, most assuredly, I say to you, it's the same introduction of that lovely parable we heard just prior to this, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Now, these words are a little bit different from the first five or six verses that we read, aren't they? There's a difference in what's been said here. The difference is this. These words that Christ speaks are personal words. They speak directly of himself, and they speak directly to those who are listening. They're words that cannot pass as mere theory or poetry or pleasing phrasing. Once Christ spoke these words, he went from being a dreamy, poetical genius to being a blasphemer and a subversive and a potential demoniac or a madman because he had overthrown with his words the present order of the lives around him. And all because his speech was personal. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I know my sheep and I am known of my own. My Father knows me. I lay down my life for the sheep. Now those are controversial words. The parable didn't offend the people. It was the interpretation to the parable that offended them. The turning of the parable to a concrete and specific and personal implication 
That's what offended them. You may be sure that when you speak as Christians and you want to verbalize thoughts of your Christian faith or when a pastor stands in a pulpit and speaks to people, that there is a kind of speaking, there is a kind of witness, there is a kind of instruction or teaching that you can give to individuals that does not offend them, that does not create division. It's the kind of speaking that is inspirational. People don't mind being inspired, you see. It's even applicational at times, you know, giving a person something to do, some minor adjustment they can make to improve themselves or that they think that their friend might be able to use to update their lives and make themselves better. Let your words be merely inspirational or merely application. You, you know, stop and smell the roses sometimes. You need to affirm somebody today. You know, if you do something nice for a person on the streets and drive and you let them in, they might do something nice for someone else. Uh, affirm yourself every once in a while. You need to spend a little time for yourself as well. You know, just some good application. Well, if it's merely inspirational and applicational, well, people won't even mind that. Even if they won't listen to what you're saying, even if they don't really mind what you're saying, they won't mind what you're saying. Do you get my point? Inspirational they like. Applicational. They can take it or leave it. But let your speech be implicational. Let it make a personal implication that insinuates itself into the life of a person and it will become controversial. The message that Jesus Christ is preeminent and central to any man's salvation is controversial. Join us again in our next broadcast. Until then, thank you for joining us at the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.